All righty then. Well, good morning to everyone. Uh, this is Carl Polachuk from uh, Small Biz Thoughts, and uh, I am coming to you today from a beautiful, sunny Sacramento, California. You are listening to uh, Free Day Friday, and this is the uh, the UK and US version of Free Day Friday. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate that. Um, a few announcements. One is that uh, I and many of the people who uh, uh, listen to this call are, have been nominated or have been chosen for the SMB 150 list put out by SMB Nation. So I'm honored to have that, and I'm honored to have uh, so many people uh, on this call who are actually on the list. So I really appreciate that. Uh, my intention with these Free Day Friday broadcasts is to give advice in a small quantity for, for free, and, um, you know, some people won't be able to attend. I get that. I'm sorry about that. Uh, it's all totally free, so we're doing it on my schedule. <laughs> um, and uh, so today uh, we're going to look at a couple of questions from a couple of people. And, um, you know, yesterday the Australian version went about 35 minutes, so, um, you know, we don't have to take up the whole hour. It's whatever people are in need of today. Uh, we start with one question that was emailed to me. And uh, we take it from there. Um, if you want to ask me questions live, uh, there's a Q&A section uh, on the, the website. Uh, if you go uh, to instanttelesseminar.com and, and log in. Um, if you're just on audio, then uh, you're going to need to send me an email. Uh, please don't try to use Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of that kind of stuff uh, during the broadcast because I, I can't monitor everything at once, but I will check email uh, from time to time. So a uh, couple of announcements. Um, first of all, the SMB Online Conference is going on in June, and I know that seems like it's a long way off, but uh, right now there's an amazing deal for you. if. Uh, if you're interested in attending this conference, it's a three-day online-only conference, 15 speakers, about 18 hours of material. And you can get – there's a $299 package, but you can get $200 off. So you can get the whole deal with live recordings plus all of the – all of the I mean, a live broadcast plus all of the recordings that will be online <clears throat> for your use for a year plus, of course, the ability to download all the handouts and so forth. So to get that price, go to smbonlineconference.com and put in the code ITPRO2012. So that's ITPRO2012. <coughs> I have a bit of a cold here. Uh, so ITPRO2012 will get you $200 off the $299 price. Um, so uh, for $99, you get uh, 18 hours of great education from some amazing people. Uh, we have speakers who are like Stephanie Chandler is an absolute rock star in small business uh, marketing and entrepreneurship, and she's totally new to our space. I guarantee she has never spoken to any technology conference before, and she is an internationally recognized author um, uh, Patrick Schwertbeger is uh, another one. He is um, he speaks all over the world. Uh, he was just telling me that he's going to Dubai this month. Holy smokes! So um, 
you know, he's uh, he's very well known and respected. He gets big, big dollars for speaking, and uh, he's one of our speakers. Plus, some of the a lot of the rock stars of uh, the SMB community will be there. So, um, it is uh, it's very cool. And um, you know, if you're if you're at all interested, go to SMB conference. I'm sorry, SMB online conference dot com. Um, and then uh, you know, take a look at what we've got and see if you're interested. Be sure and use that code ITPRO2012 to save $200. On other fronts, uh, if you're a Cloud Services Roundtable member, there's a couple of new podcasts up that you can get for free, and uh, Cloud Services Roundtable members will receive um, access to the SMB online conference for free. So if you're a, uh, an Cloud Services Roundtable member, uh, log into your account and then just click on the thing where it says uh, you can get in for free and it will tell you how to register and take advantage of that. I have some super good news on the network migration front. Three new draft chapters have uh, are, are going to be posted uh, in the next couple of days at uh, network migration, uh, networkmigrationworkbook.com. Uh, or ZDTMInc.com. So if you're a registered owner of the book, the Network Migration Workbook, um, the new material for 2011 is, or 2012 is coming out. Chapter 9 is on migrating to the cloud, and I talk about migration strategies and uh, how it works in the SMB space. Um, chapter 10 has actually an example checklist for moving services to the cloud, and um, I think that's about 10 or 12 pages, so that's a pretty good checklist. Chapter 11 is all about migrating to Foundation Server. So Microsoft's uh, Server 2008 R2 Foundation Edition, which everybody calls Foundation Server, um, is a very cool product. Um, it does not take Exchange. Um, but it will take remote access uh, licenses, <coughs> excuse me, if you choose to do that. So that's a super cool product, and the migration to Foundation Server um, is pretty straightforward because um, it's it's all like standard server. So you join it to the domain, and you make it a domain controller, and you scoop over the Dismo roles, make it a global uh, catalog server. Uh, and then demote the old server, and, and you're done. And you don't have to migrate the desktops or the users. Uh, be aware that that leaves those things kind of, you know, could be could be some dirty stuff on those things, but uh, you're no worse off than you were the day before. Anyway, so so Chapter 11 talks about migrating to Foundation Server, how that fits into the whole, you know, small server environment. Uh, I talk about why we use Foundation Server and SPS Essentials uh, in combination with cloud services. So those three chapters will be up in the next couple of days. Uh, so if you're a registered owner of that book, you can begin uh, looking forward to those. And, uh, and we'll, of course, we'll put out podcasts, or I mean uh, blog posts and so forth when the time comes. Uh, final announcement is that Jeff Middleton's conference in June in New Orleans is on. I will be attending. I would love to see you in New Orleans. Always an amazing time on the Mississippi River. Uh, so uh, join me there. Just go to sbsmigration.com and click on the information for the the, uh, the grand tour. <clears throat> All righty. 
Um, if you're interested, uh, again, send me an email or uh, send me, uh, you know, a chat or a question on the online tool, and uh, you know, I will see if I can if I can get to uh, questions uh, from anybody today. So. <laughs> um, the first question is uh, our kickoff question, which came to me by email from Edward, and he says, like most of us, I'm a technician and not a salesman. I get most of my clients by just talking to people. Uh, but uh, oh, wait a minute, no, no, that that was from the uh, Australian version. I'm sorry. We're gonna we're gonna look at the one for the U.S. version. So the Australian version is online, so you can you can download that. The, the uh, U.S. version is from Tim, and the question is, hello, uh, he says, thanks for doing this. I'm trying to figure out where SBS Essentials fits in our business. Most of our clients have about 20 desktops. SBS Standard or sometimes Premium has been perfect for them. Um, SBS Essentials has no Exchange server, so we'd need to move to a hosted Exchange server, but that's really expensive. Um, so we save money up front, but the client has a large monthly bill. We get a lot of pushback on that. So um, I agree with you, Tim. Uh, first of all, thank you for the question, but to the point, um, SPS Essentials is not right for every client, and it's not right for every business. Um, if you told me that your average client was 10 desktops, I would say SPS Essentials is awesome, and it's something you need to look at. Alternatively, we've had some users, like we've, we've got a, a client that's a lumber mill, right? they got like 50 or 60 employees uh, at the height of their season, but they have eight people who use the computer. So they don't need uh, to worry about the 25-user limit on SPS Essentials. Um, so the number of actual users, not employees, is key. But um, when you tell me that you have 20 users, that makes me a little nervous. SBS Essentials has a 25-user limit. It's a hard limit. It comes as a, a product with no additional licenses available. So, um, you know, it would be very difficult to, um, uh, you know, sell that to somebody in a 20-user environment knowing that, you know, just one little blip in employment and boom, they could be right at that limit. <laughs> Excuse me. So. Um, I think you're right. It may not be the perfect thing for you. Um, it's also the case that exchange is expensive in large numbers. Exchange works really great in the micro environment. You know, we had a lot of clients that are, you know, three users, five users, sometimes even one user, and SBS Essentials is perfect for them. You know, they have local storage on site. Uh, email is somewhere else. The website is somewhere else. They have SharePoint, it's somewhere else. Um, so they don't need very much on site, um, but um, again, it's possible um, that it, it's just not the product for you. Well, what we find is that um, for small clients, really I would say between 1 and 15 users, I feel comfortable with SPS Essentials. Um, I will say that if you're paying, you know, if the client is paying say $10 or $15 per mailbox, um, it will get expensive for them to, uh, to have hosted exchange. Uh, whether you have a hosted server, which is probably 250 bucks a month, or you have hosted mailboxes, um, 
than, you know, even hosted mailboxes at 10 or $15 a piece. It's a chunk of change. So, um, you know, you have to, you have to look at what the client's willing to do. You do get greater security for that and you probably get better performance and better reliability and better backups and more fault tolerance. Um, but it's also the case that it's, um, um, it's just more money. So that's the way that goes. Um, alrighty then. Excuse me. <coughs> I do have a bit of a cold here. So, um, uh, Ken asks, uh, when, uh, thank you, Ken. Ken's one of my, like, my biggest fan in Oregon. So, <laughs> uh, when you price managed services, how do you price a single physical server with three or four virtual servers running on it? Well, so that's a, that's a great point. Uh, the way we look at it is how much maintenance does a virtual server take versus a physical server? And, um, we decided, we, we used to have a client that was just constantly adding servers and taking off servers, and when we introduced them to the virtual environment, they would literally just like, they would pay ridiculous amounts of money for us to add up uh, a couple of virtual machines and um, put them on maintenance and and, uh, uh, and then whatever. Six months later, they'd take them down. But anyway, at that time, we decided that um, because they take basically the same amount of maintenance that we charge exactly the same. So uh, we used to charge, I think, 500 for the first server and 350 for every server after that. Um, and I think our pricing is now $500 per server flat, just whatever. So if somebody had a physical machine that we were maintaining and three virtual servers inside that, uh, they would need to pay for four servers. Now, obviously, if you choose to discount additional servers, that's up to you. Um, but uh, that's how we price it is, um, you know, just um, just really um, you're going to have to put in an agent. You're going to have to monitor it, patch it, fix it, update it, reboot it, right? It doesn't know it's not real, so it's going to get viruses. Um, if people are remoting into it, they can muck things up. So um, basically, it's just another server, uh, so we, we price it exactly the same. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. So um, Ken also asked the question of um, how, when determining the factors, when de what are the determining factors when deciding whether to suggest SBS Essentials or Foundation Server. And, um, you know, basically, if you, if you line up what they do, there's very little difference between them, except that the key difference is how you manage them. SBS Essentials is fundamentally an SBS box. So it's got the one unified interface. It, it provides, in a cooler way than we've dealt with before. It, it provides remote web access. Uh, so if people need to get to their desktops, they come in through one web interface. Um, it, uh, it provides, obviously, online security. Um, it, it makes it very easy to manage it and to back up the desktops. You literally, you, you set up a desktop, and if you don't do anything else, it's going to set up a backup job for that. So uh, part of the process of adding a machine to that network is to um, 
set up the backup for it. So you just have to determine um, when you want that backup to go off. Obviously, you can choose to not have the backup go off, but, but that's a key thing. So remoting into those machines and managing them all centrally is a piece of SBS essential. Um, it, it's, you know, kind of the one of the philosophies of small business server is that you're not managing one machine, you're managing the network. And so um, it comes with tools that help you do that. Um, uh, foundation server, uh, the management of foundation server is um, basically identical to standard server 2008 R2. Um, you know, it's got the server management console, which is different from SBS. Um, I think it's a lot easier and a lot cleaner myself, but whatever. Um, and um, it can be a, a um, server in a workgroup. It can be a server as a backup domain controller. Uh, it can be a primary domain controller. Uh, its only real limitations are uh, it's got some limitations on hardware. You know, you, you can't have a, a, a you know four uh, processors and uh, um, you know 256 gigs of RAM. Um, it's pretty small, but it, it's pretty beefy. I mean, the truth is, you can you can get a pretty beefy machine, and you can get a you know quad core processor as long as there's only one physical processor. Um, it has a limit of 15 users. So that's a hard limit. Once again, it's an OEM product, so it comes pre-installed, which is kind of nice. But um, 15 users, and you can't buy additional licenses. So you literally are going to put this in uh, an environment that's one to ten users, um, give them a little room for growth, um, and uh, but when they hit that limit, they're done. Um, the only Active Directory limitation is that um, it cannot be any place other than the root of the forest. So if you have multiple domains in a forest, um, if you put it anywhere other than the root of the forest, it will reboot every hour just to piss you off. So, um, so there's that. And that's not an issue for most of us in a small business environment. Um, so <laughs> the other thing is that Foundation Server does not have remote web access because it's not a small business server, but it will take terminal server licenses. So uh, you can set up um, uh, the remote desktop service and people can log into it. You can publish applications like Word and uh, even QuickBooks. And so um, people can get to it that way. Um, and so if you had a light environment, you could, with Foundation Server, you could easily get away with thin clients and no desktop computers. And, um, you, know, people, you know, people don't really need to remote into their desktop. They would actually connect to the remote desktop on the Foundation Server. Um, you know, and if you get a, a machine that's got 16 gigs of RAM and, um, you know, a fast processor, you're going to have no issues with that. Um, you do need to buy those remote access licenses separately. Um, so, and, and just a note on SPS Essentials, SPS Essentials will allow you to connect to another server and put premium license content on that server, and you don't need to buy additional licenses for that. So that's pretty cool. Um, 
but anyway, so so those are kind of some of the determining factors. For us, the most common thing is if somebody's already got a small business environment, we're going to move them to SPS Essentials. If somebody's already got no server or a workgroup server or server 2003 standard edition uh, or 2008 standard edition, you know, if it's an old server, um, we're probably going to move them to foundation server. Uh, given you know the the understanding that there are some severe <coughs> excuse me limits on um, uh, how many users you can get at any one time um, so question about how do we get the oceanic edition of uh, of the call from yesterday that is um, for cloud services roundtable members that is um, available at cloudservicesroundtable.com. Uh, there's a blog post right there on the front page that uh, tells you how to get it. And, um, you know, kind of my deal with these is that if you want to listen live, it's free. If you if you want the, to listen to it afterwards, uh, you know, it's I think it's $9.95 a month for a Cloud Services Roundtable. Um, with the bonus, of course, that if you join Cloud Services Roundtable uh, uh, today, uh, then you will be able to get, access to the um, SMB online conference for free. All right, other questions there? I'm happy to uh, to take anything. Here's a question about setting up um, SBS essentials in a very small environment. So um, do we normally put DHCP and DNS on the server or the firewall, or or what? Um, well, we have gradually over time come to to want um, DHCP to be on a firewall and not on the server. Uh, that's a switch for us between 2003 and 2008, um, and we are continuing it to 2011. Um, uh, DHCP does not have to involve the domain controller or any of the um, uh, land management settings. So, you know, machine names and all that, you don't need that. Um, so what you do is you set up in DACP, and, and we do like to have uh, the, the DNS, in my opinion, it must live on the server, the primary server, so whether that's SBS or, or standard server. Um, you want your primary domain controller to have domain name service so it can very easily uh, manage all of the, the machines on the network, and it knows where all the resources are. Um, so you would set it up to look to itself for DNS and then forward other requests either to um, the ISP's DNS server or uh, we like to use the Google DNS servers at 8.8.8.8, um, and I think the other one is 8.8.4.4. But Anyway, the Google servers are are super fast, and they don't, they're not going to change, so that's kind of cool. Um, DHCP, as long as you go through your network documentation workbook and you know what ranges you're going to give to servers, and you exclude static IPs, um, and then create a range that you're going to hand out for workstations, um, DHCP is very straightforward on the firewall, um, and that way anything that gets plugged into there, even if it's not part of the domain, you know, it's just going to work. Um, 
and you don't have to worry about um, that changing or whatever. Um, so for us, DHCP lives on the firewall, uh, DNS lives on the server, and that's that's essentially true in every single environment we have. Uh, we we used to put DHCP on the uh, domain controller, and we don't do that anymore. So, any other questions from anybody out there? All right, let me check my email, make sure. <laughs> All righty. So we have one new person joining us, so let me just say that uh, if you're interested, you can enter questions uh, through the Q&A section on the website, or you can email carlp at greatlittlebook.com, or um, uh, use the chat on the website. Um, so um, thank you, Ken. He's good. Ken says, so are you disabling DHCP on the uh, SPS 2011 standard box? Yes. We are disabling DHCP on the domain controller um, and, uh, and only activating it on uh, the firewall. So, um, and, and uh, you know, one of the issues is, well, you know, who, who's authorized to hand out DHCP, and that goes away when you disable it. So, uh, and you can just turn off the service. It does no harm to just sit there. All righty. Anything else? Looks like it's a conversation between me and Ken. <laughs> uh, other people are listening, so so if you're interested, I, I'd be happy to answer questions. Let me let me know. All right. Well, if there are no further questions, um, I think we will just close it out for today. Uh, I do want to thank you for listening. Um, I hope that this has been a worthwhile adventure. Um, I really do appreciate your feedback, and I would take more feedback at carlp at greatlittlebook.com. Um, our next uh, Free Day Friday is, let's see here, make sure I see, is going to be in May, and it will be May 18th, the anniversary of Mount St. Helens blowing up. Um, so join us May 18th. And in the meantime, if you email me your questions, um, I will try to get them on the air. Um, I feel a little bad running out of questions here because I know that people send me emails all the time. Um, so, uh, okay, one more question. Uh, why have I chosen to move to Viper from um, Trend Micro? Well, so we were in the Trend Micro, um, whatever their small business managed service, blah, blah, blah thing was. Uh, we were getting really good pricing as members of HTG. I think it was $1.50 per user, um, and that was fine. Um, at some point, though, uh, we left HTG. Uh, we, we, HTG wanted to focus on people who were using um, ConnectWise, and we are using Autotask, so um, we uh, left HTG. And at some point, Trend Micro said, <clears throat> you're no longer eligible for that pricing. Uh, and so I think it went up to $2.50 a mailbox. And um, so, we, you know, we like Trend. We've used it for years, and, and uh, it was our product of choice. But um, Viper is included with what we're already paying for at um, 
continuum RMM, uh, which formerly Zenith. And, you know, they have changed their preferred um, antivirus several times, and we, we didn't actually go with them earlier because um, we didn't want to be changing our antivirus, you know, based on somebody else's whim. Um, at this point, though, uh, with the Viper licensing, if for whatever reason Continuum decides not to do it, we can just move those clients over to regular Viper licensing. It's uh, Again, it's in that range of uh, about $1.50 a mailbox. So um, we would be in good shape. In the meantime, we're saving all the money we were spending on antivirus because it's already included in the desktop support uh, from Continuum. So um, that's essentially it. And it's not that we prefer one product over the other. Um, it, it's really about money and, um, uh, you know, basically given that, that the machines are all, or the, uh, the software is all pretty much, you know, they all catch 99.9% .9 of everything, um, uh, we've just decided, well, let's go with the Viper. Um, all right, then. <laughs> I am sorry for coughing so much. I um, just had a cold that's been lingering for a week now. Dan asks a question. Is Thank you, Dan, by the way, for asking a question and jumping in here. Um, can you elaborate on how you go about selling cloud services? Well, the interesting thing is that we started selling cloud services by simply creating a package and and moving our existing clients over to it. So um, there's a, a several pieces of that, that that make it worth doing. First of all, um, if, if you're not familiar with our cloud services five pack, um, it, you know, there's information about it on my blog. Uh, there's information about it on the uh, cloud services roundtable. Um, and there's actually lots of information on it on cloud services roundtable in, in the member area. Uh, but basically, uh, we put together a package where we're using rack-based storage. We're selling up to 250 gigs of storage, um, exchange server-hosted mailbox, antivirus spam filtering, um, and uh, remote monitoring and management. Uh, and we sell that in a five-pack for $249. So the reason it's a five-pack is that I don't care if you have one user, two users, or five users, 250 bucks a month, is a cheap price to basically get all of your technology. Um, and for really small businesses, that, that one to five or one to ten business, uh, it's a delightful little product. So um, what we did is we went to our smallest clients and we said, here's what we've got. So, you know, if they had a server before, uh, they were normally paying uh, five, either 350 or $500 a month for us to manage the server. That goes away. So instantly they're ahead for the money. Um, and then they were paying for every desktop. So um, a, a 10 user environment was paying $350 a month plus uh, 10 times, I think it was 65. So they were right at $1,000 a month um, for any services. And um, that meant that when their server gets old, they got to buy a new server. We switch them over to the five pack where what they would do is buy two five packs at two forty nine each and then two five packs of managed services at two forty nine each. The result is they're paying nine hundred and ninety six dollars every month 
So their monthly cost is essentially the same, but there's no server to maintain. Um, it's fault tolerant because it's all up in the cloud, and it was a really easy sell because these are people that, I mean, basically you go to them at the point where their server is dying. It's, you know, six years old because of the the, the recession, and um, you hand them a quote for $7,000 for a new server and $7,000 for migration labor, uh, and uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Pretty soon, you know, they got a, a you know, somewhere in the ten to $15,000 range um, bump for moving to a new server versus, hey, we will uh, we'll hook you up on uh, cloud services uh, and your setup fee is, is the equivalent of the first month. Uh, so basically it's $1,000 to get set up and it's $1,000 a month. Um, it was a really easy sell, and so we just started with our smallest clients and just went boom, 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 boom. And um, I think, I, I want to say 70%, maybe 80% of our clients are on the cloud service five pack. Um, larger clients, obviously, they still need a server in-house. Um, as we just discussed earlier on the call, it's too pricey to, um, you know, use hosted exchange. Uh, we charge, you know, $15 a mailbox, so um, you get uh, 20 of those, and pretty soon it, it makes sense to just have a hosted exchange server in the cloud. So, um, and so a lot of people were still leaving them on SBS Essentials or SBS Standard. Um, but we're moving people to the cloud um, by selling that five-pack. Um, Ken says, hey, Dan, you could have attended a great event Carl did last Saturday in Portland, Oregon, to learn all about how to sell cloud services. <laughs> True enough. Um, and, and, in fact, I, you know, I have a couple of products. You know, I don't want this to be, a, you know, uh, a marketing thing, but if you go to smbbooks.com, I have some recordings on um, you know, putting together cloud service offerings and, um, you know, selling cloud services into the, the small server market. So, uh, anyway, Dan, I hope that answers your question. Uh, if not, go ahead and answer in a follow-up question. Uh, I hear that the, the, the question asking part is clunky, but um, uh, anyway, I appreciate your uh, patience with that. Uh, let me check my email, see if I've got anything else. All righty. Uh, so for all the folks who are listening live, um, uh, I appreciate your listenership. And um, uh, if you have any more questions, now is the time to put them in. So we're, we're probably going to be just like yesterday. It would be about 35 minutes here if we run out. So, okay. Ken, you got any more for me? Okay, do you have recommendations or tips for converting a very heavily used WSS 2.0 on SBS 2003 to SharePoint Foundation 2010 uh, in SBS 2011 standard? Uh, no, virtual servers are being used in the new box. I have to say, uh, I, I don't have much good advice on SharePoint. Uh, I think that... Um, uh, you got to look at Robert Crane's materials on the Short SharePoint Operations Guide. Um, I I think the worst part is that when you go from uh, SharePoint 2 to version 3 uh, or even 4, holy smokes, there's just absolutely 
no migration path. I mean, Microsoft has just, I don't even, I have no explanation for it. They have just decided that um, they don't need a migration path. So you really don't have a lot of options, especially on that really old 2003 box. Um, on SharePoint Services 2.0, there's really nothing you can do except um, view your files in Explorer View and copy them off to uh, a hard drive. Um, and then go to uh, you know, SharePoint Foundation 2010 uh, and and move the files in. Um, it's literally the only thing I know of because uh, there are no tools to migrate and um, uh, none of your programming, you know, the people who spent money um, on customized front ends and whatever can just flush it down the toilet because it's gone. Um, so again, I just I don't have an explanation for what Microsoft is doing with this product, but um, it is their future, and um, you know they put a lot of, of uh, eggs in that basket. Stu, thank you, Stu, for uh, putting in a question. Stu says, uh, "What are the best marketing tools I've used in the last year to new prospects?" Well, <laughs> excuse me. We uh, are huge advocates of uh, Robin Robbins Technology Marketing Toolkit. Um, as always, you know, um, uh, the, the tools that, that sell the most um, are ones where you can get people to call you because they've initiated it. So, um, and I'm, I'm actually hearing stuff on the radio that, now that it just it sounds like, even though it's for, uh, you know, uh, uh, furnace repair or something, it sounds like a Robin Robbins kind of campaign where they say, you know, contact us and we'll send you our free report on, you know, the seven things you need to know before you hire a furnace repairman, right? Well, that's exactly the same kind of thing. You put together these little white papers, you know, one is on how to pick a good managed service provider, one is on why you need to move to the cloud, one is on, um, you know, choosing the right antivirus or choosing the right, you know, first server. Um, and then uh, you put out campaigns that basically say, hey, contact us for this free report. And, um, you know, you get their contact information. And then you give them a call and you say, hey, you know what, I just want to come out and talk to you. Um, we've been actually kind of amazed this year. For the first time in a long time, I'm a horrible, horrible salesperson. And I, and I only say that because I hate doing it and I put it off and it's the lowest priority every day. So. Theoretically, I'm supposed to make 10 phone calls a day. I'm lucky to make 10 phone calls a week. But what happens is I pick up the phone and, and I go down my prospect list and I call the first person. I get like three appointments out of every 10 phone calls um, just because nobody's asked them in a long, long time whether they want to talk about their technology. Um, so sadly enough, uh, you know, the old thing of picking up the phone and asking people if you can come in and talk to them is what works the best. Um, we have long been advocates of um, newsletters. Um, now that America's Tech Support is, is running the show, Mike is not putting out, putting out a monthly newsletter, but for 15 years I put out a monthly newsletter. Um, you know, and there were standard articles on what's new and what you need to be worried about with antivirus and what's coming up down the road with Office and uh, the new small business server. And, you know, those are perennial articles, tips on, you know, hotkeys for, for Microsoft 
Word and whatever, um, you know, you can fill a newsletter pretty easily, and nowadays that could be an email newsletter. Uh, and um, so something like that where you can you can get people to subscribe and just drip market to them with a newsletter every month. Um, and that way, <clears throat> if nothing else, they know that you are selling things like cloud services, and they don't have to go ask somebody else for that information. Um, so for us, uh, the Robin Robbins campaigns, and, and you don't have to send something to 5,000 people. You can do uh, a three-letter campaign um, that uh, goes up to 250 people, and um, you can get bulk rates and whatever. Uh costs you 25 or 20 cents a stamp, something like that in bulk rate. Um, so it's not hugely expensive. Uh, you can print up nice stuff in your own office. Um, especially since it's that kind of small quantity. But basically, the first letter is, hey, I got this super offer for you. Contact me, and uh, and we'll talk about it. Uh, the second letter is, hey, you know, I didn't hear anything about that first letter. Remember, the time is, is short. I'm only doing, you know, let's say you're offering a, a free network checkup. You say, I'm only doing, you know, a limited number of checkups each quarter. So if you want to get in before the end of the quarter, you got to contact me now because I'm scheduling a couple months in advance. Uh, and the third letter, you put in some little widget so that uh, uh, people will open it, a little trinket you get um, uh, from Target or um, from um, the Oriental Trading Company, which has got the greatest stuff on the Internet, um, except for ThinkGeek. Um, you know, you put in some little worry doll or whatever, and then, then you send a letter that says, hey, you know, I'm worried about you because I haven't heard from you, and I know that this offer would be amazing for you, but, uh, you know, I've only got a couple left this quarter, so call me now. Um, that stuff really works, and, and I know some people think it's really cheesy, but i got to tell you, I think I've been using Robin Robbins for seven or eight years, and her stuff just works. Um, so that's my personable advice on that. Uh, all right, any other questions from the crowd out there? I guess the Q&A section is the best place to do this. Let me check my mail. People want to connect on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a new Free Day Friday blog post that will be going up. It is scheduled for 9 o'clock, so in 18 minutes, uh, the minute this call is over with, that call will, or that uh, blog post will go up, so look for that. Um, uh, and I encourage you to check the Free Day Friday website, um, and uh, I will uh, very shortly I will put up the um, uh, the links to register for the May 18th event. Um, so I do appreciate all the people who put in questions today, and I, I appreciate uh, all the support I get from the community. Uh, so if there are no more questions. And that will be it. All righty. Uh, so, so we're going to go ahead and, and conclude the uh, podcast. I thank everyone uh, who called in today, and uh, I encourage you to send me questions by email, and uh, I will try to give you a response. Uh, and uh, that concludes our Free Day Friday broadcast for April, and we will see you in May. Thank you very much. <laughs>